Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, May 4th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippians begin the road to rebuild and recovery after a flurry of tornadoes damaged some communities Sunday evening. Then, hospital leadership responds to the latest executive order lifting pandemic-related social distancing restrictions. Plus, state health officials explain the latest in the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Damage assessments are underway across Mississippi following a wave of severe weather that destroyed homes and snapped trees. The National Weather Service in Jackson sent crews out to impacted communities yesterday after suspected tornadoes swept through parts of central Mississippi Sunday evening. The northeastern part of the state, especially the Tupelo area, was also hard hit. Experts have confirmed at least five tornadoes statewide and more assessments are underway. In Yazoo County, at least at least one EF1 storm has been verified. Meteorologist Felicia Bowser was on the scene eight miles south of Yazoo City yesterday, where she shared more about the assessment process with our Kobe Vance. When we anticipate that there was tornado damage that occurred the night before due to a severe weather event, we have groups of teams that goes out to assess the damage. So what that encompasses is basically looking to looking to see stopping at certain points along the radar, uh, we use radar to help us to to, to uh, distinguish where the couplet was. And the couplet is basically the circulation of the storm. And we use that to track our area to see where we need to go. And when we come across damage that matches where the circulation was, that's where we start our assessment. And we look at different things such as any tree damage, any house damage, any other type of structural damage, power lines down. All of that will help us in in our efforts to rate the tornado, looking at everything as a whole. 
So as y'all y'all just got here to this site um, where we're at, we're about eight miles south of uh, Yazoo right now. Um, looking around, what's the first thing that y'all start looking for when y'all arrive on these kind of scenes? Well, the first thing that kind of pops out is the is the actual tree damage that we see. We see snapping of the trees towards the midway to the top of the tree. We see billboard damage that has occurred. We see that there are actual uh, emergency personnel that are putting up power lines because the power lines actually fell and they're putting it back up. So we take all that information together as well as any structural damage that happens to be there, like a manufacturing company. We look, we'll look at the buildings to try to assess to see if there are multiple walls that are down. Is the roof missing? We look at all of that to help us with our rating. And uh, I'm looking around. I'm seeing trees that are absolutely splintered in some places. Uh, some trees that, while they might be structurally sound on the bottom, the tops are just completely torn off. Is that typical for, uh, what kind of tornadoes are those typical for? Well, you have to look at the species of a tree, believe it or not. Uh, there are softwood trees that are usually the pine wood. And pine trees are a little softer, and as a result, they're able to be more flexible. So they're a little bit easier to break. However, the trees that we're in front of right now, they're hardwood trees, so they're a little hardier, a little bit harder to break, and that's probably why we're seeing the snappage occurring midway to the top, where the weakest point is, versus towards the bottom, where it's a little bit hardier, a little bit sturdier for hardwood trees. You know, coming out to things like this, how important is it to go ahead and get these assessments in as soon as possible before we have another threat like that come in? Well, it is important. And we try to get out as soon as we can because a lot of people, they like to start the cleanup process. And when you get out, sometimes it's hard to assess exactly how much damage there was, especially if it was subtle damage. The more subtle the damage, the easier to clean up is a little bit harder for us. But when you have a little bit better damage, so to speak, worse damage, um, the cleanup process may not be able to happen within a day. It may take a few days and you can still see it. it may, you just may not have seen the worst of it. So it's important to kind of get out as soon as you can if there's no weather that's occurring to see the worst of the damage if possible. I guess before I let you go, is there anything else that stands out to you as something that, you know, uh, is, a, is an important part of uh, figuring out exactly what happened here? So the other thing that we like to look at is how the trees fell. If the trees kind of fell kind of towards each other, opposite directions that helps us to determine that there was an actual circulation because that's what tornado damage does especially the trees the it, it seems like the the damage is chaotic but there is a circulation to it and there is a pattern to it so we have to look out for those patterns because when it comes to say straight line wind damage that is not a tornado just a straight line wind you may think that what you're looking at is tornado damage, where in fact it's straight line wind. And how you can tell the difference between the two damage is straight line wind damage, all of the, the, the direction of the debris is pointing in the same direction. And a lot of people get confused and think that it's tornado damage, and that's because straight line wind damage can, can create the same, if not more, damage than a tornado at times. Yeah, and uh, I guess the last question I had is, why is it important to come out and assess these uh, for instance, I know there's uh, storm chasers out there that get videos and stuff. Why is it important to come and assess the damage as well, as, as opposed to just, you know, watching the radar and, um, you know, seeing footage? Well, when it comes to footage, it's just one particular vantage point. That particular uh, person may not go throughout the whole track, may miss some of the damage that we're looking at. They may be at the worst damage, but we want to get the starting point. And the starting point is not necessarily always the worst damage. So we want to make sure we do our due diligence when it comes to the path. 
Uh, other reasons why we do damage assessments is for scientific reasons and for research and for people to go back later years from now to be able to come back and look at this damage to see exactly what occurred, what type of weather pattern occurred that developed this particular type of damage. So having this on record is what's going to help later generations see how the weather pattern was shaped here across the state of Mississippi. So I know this is early May. However, and I also know that our peak severe weather season is in April. But as you can see, we can still get tornadoes in early May. It does start to drop off, especially as we head towards June and July. We do have a little bit of lull when it comes to tornadoes. But people need to take this severe weather very seriously and make sure they have a safety plan in place, such as going into the interior part of your home, away from exterior walls, away from windows. And if you live in a mobile home, make sure you get out and go into a well-sturdy brick-and-mortar home, a friend's house, a relative's house, or go to a shelter because there, there is no place for you to hide in a mobile home when it comes to a tornado. There is significant damage that can occur to it. Yazoo County resident Carol Poor's home was damaged by falling trees. As she and her husband Billy observed the cleanup effort, she shared her experience from the night before. Blessed, but very sad. I was standing at my window. They gave the announcement, get to your shelter. And I looked out the window, and those trees right there fell about four feet from, from me immediately. And uh, I yelled to him and told him, I said, Billy, it's here. And he, something hit him coming, running in there trying to protect me. And... Uh, so he's bruised all up on one side. We don't even know what hit him. It took out his bedroom, the, his office. It's destroyed. All you see is the same uh, sky. Tornado damage was also identified in Tupelo, Calhoun City, Byram, and Chula. Meteorologists are warning that more severe weather is expected in the state today. Officials at the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency urge residents to take any level of severe weather risk seriously and remain weather aware throughout the day. Coming up, hospital leadership responds to the latest executive order lifting pandemic-related social distancing restrictions. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. With statewide mask mandates and capacity restrictions now a thing of the past, health leaders say it's incumbent upon Mississippi residents to continue exercising caution to protect themselves from the coronavirus. Last week, Governor Tate Reeves rescinded nearly all remaining restrictions on venue capacity and social distancing. Ryan Kelly, executive director of the Mississippi Rural Hospital Association, tells our Desiree Frazier people must take responsibility for protecting themselves from COVID-19 and spreading the virus. You know, I think that the governor, as well as many, have fallen on the lines of 
everyone needs to take personal responsibility in their own health. And that's honestly something we've been preaching for years and years in so many different cases. I believe that with the sake of a mask mandate, um, individuals should still wear a mask when safe and appropriate. Uh, a mask is essentially a spit guard. And anyone that tries to say anything else is obviously misinformed. They are, they are to guard spit from being in the air so that you don't have large globules of virus that can then transmit to other people. Uh, they are never to prevent aerosolized viruses. They never were. And there's very, very few masks on the market that would actually prevent that. Um, uh, a HEPA filter, uh, where basically a hazmat mask, is basically the only thing that you could wear that would prevent the virus from actually getting into your lungs. And so I think we all have to have a good realization of what masks do and do not do. Uh, and I believe that's one thing we've actually done somewhat of a disservice by trying to force everyone to wear a mask without questioning why or when uh, people are now not even wanting to wear them at all because they don't understand the right time and the right reason to wear a mask. So I'm not against the lifting of the mask mandate. I do encourage people to continue to wear a mask when appropriate. Uh, and for them to understand what the mask does and what the mask does not do and when someone should wear it uh, safely. And your thoughts on the lifting of the social distancing aspect in terms of being able to have a full seat arena or have full seated activities? People need to be responsible. If there's a, a full restaurant and you don't feel like you can safely be in there, don't go. Um, and now the same thing would even, I think, apply for someone who works in a place. We still have that responsibility to be in an environment where we believe it's safe. You know, it, it's one of those things when you get heavy-handed on, from a government standpoint, you might help some, but you might penalize so many more. And so I think everyone needs to, for business owners, uh, for, for those going out into the community, you need to think about what you're getting into and how you're going to make it safe for everyone. Uh, I think it's very hard for us to justify having a 50,000-person concert indoors right now. Uh, I can't imagine that being a good idea. Uh, but outdoors at a baseball game, I think there's an extraordinarily limited chance of anyone getting uh, infected with COVID in an outdoor setting. And lastly, looking at the variants, uh, with the mm-hmm. U.K. being the dominant one in Mississippi, and right. Memorial Day is the end of the month, and always mm-hmm. we see a surge in cases around holidays. What do you anticipate happening uh, with the lifting of restrictions as we move into the holiday, this more uh, transmissible and um, called more deadly virus? Yeah. Bearing. Uh, good question. Yeah. So it, it appears, and latest CDC data shows the virus is that the variants are a bit more contagious, but not more deadly. Now, that's that's what they're showing as of, I think I saw it on Friday or Saturday, could change. Um, it's definitely a concern. Uh, and, you know, the question of are our current vaccines going to give partial or full immunity to those variants? And uh, the jury is still out on that. Um, so, again, I, I would still sit here and say, um, we need to be smart. We need to take precautions. Uh, but individuals need to take ownership of it because we can't keep things locked down forever. We can't continue to limit, you know, in five years from now. Uh, these, this virus, from all, all known research and thought, is still going to be around here. 
uh, as much as I hate saying that, we're probably going to be dealing with this in some ways forever, you know, like the flu or other um, annual seasonal uh, transmissible uh, diseases, uh, illnesses. Uh, so we're going to have to learn to live with it. And I don't ever, I don't foresee us being able to have a society where we continue to lock things down and have limited numbers based on cases that come up. We never did it with the flu. We're not going to be able to do it with COVID. People are going to have to take ownership and make smart decisions. Brian Kelly is the executive director of the Mississippi Rural Hospital Association. Health leaders have spent the last four months campaigning for residents to get vaccinated. They say it is the most efficient way to stop the widespread transmission of the virus. But with only around a quarter of the state vaccinated, some concerns are present, including the rising presence of variant strains of the virus, says Mark Horn, president of the State Medical Association. So the variants do raise some issues. Fortunately, the uh, vaccines that we have available to us in the United States, both the Pfizer, Moderna, and the Johnson & Johnson, have all shown excellent utility against the variants that are circulating in the United States, including the B117 or this uh, British variant. So um, I'm not concerned if you get vaccinated. Now, if you don't get vaccinated, there is a concern because the British variant and the, some of the other variants that are circulating in the state and around the country do seem to be easier to catch. And you got to remember the wild variant, the wild COVID-19, the original one uh, that we had here, was awfully easy to catch anyway. These newer variants seem to be even more easy to catch depending on which one you're talking about, they may even cause more serious disease. So there's one good way to get out of this. Get vaccinated. Until you're vaccinated, you really do need to follow all the old rules about wearing your mask. And uh, as long as you, uh, but once you are vaccinated, you can resume a lot of things. Horn says it is becoming safer to return to normal and engage socially, but says residents should remember to do the right thing depending on the vaccination status. We're kind of like a smoldering campfire. Uh, it's not going to take much to, to get this to... Uh, it, it is safe to get back out. It is safe. Uh, I went to my children's uh, um, graduation at Ole Miss this weekend, and we felt very safe. We wore a mask where we were supposed to. When we were outside, we did not. We went to dinner and uh, had some appropriate distancing from other tables. Uh, there is a lot you can do. Uh, and I don't have a problem with the governor lifting the mandates, but I think it's really important for each individual and each family to pay attention to doing what they still need to do. Uh, I don't need a mandate. Uh, from the government to do that, which I know to be right. And so if you're not vaccinated, you should go get vaccinated. If you um, are in a public space and you're not vaccinated, you're taking risk. And we can fan the flames of this and get it back up um, and uh, get us in a pretty bad spot again. So it's important to do the right thing, whether you're mandated to or not. 
Masks are still mandated inside K-12 through schools. Coming up, state health officials explain the latest in the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Health officials are continuing the vaccine rollout in Mississippi despite declining demand. Only about one, or 25% rather of Mississippians have or are fully vaccinated and vaccine appointments throughout the Department of Health sites are being left unfilled. Four months into the wider distribution of the vaccine, cases are trending down, but transmission is still present. In long-term care facilities, the number of outbreaks have more than doubled from 15 to 32 since April 11th. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers. What's coming into play now is is the vaccination, especially the vaccination efforts in the long-term care settings, where you know, we were looking at 150 plus outbreaks in nursing homes during our, our large surge um, in January of the holidays. And with that in perspective, we have about 200 new homes in the entire state. And so a vast majority of our nursing homes were impacted by ongoing outbreaks. Um, you know, the, although the vaccination efforts were delayed a bit, in the long-term care settings, I think they've been largely successful. And when you look at the resident uptake, that's where the benefit has really been. We still have some work to do with the employee vaccination rates in long-term care settings. Um, and so we still, especially for you guys, if you know, if y'all are medical director of a nursing home, or you know, if you if you have some influence over the nursing homes, we really need to get those employees vaccinated because we are still seeing outbreaks that are occurring in long-term care settings. Minimally, what we're seeing is, is mostly one or two cases here and there, but I think it's, it's really demonstrating the power of, of the vaccination because what we're not seeing is that ongoing sustained transmission that's just burning through the, the nursing home like we saw before. Yesterday, news outlets reported the Pfizer vaccine could be soon available for children 12 to 15 years of age. In Mississippi schools, students have mostly been in the classroom all year wearing masks. Officials say protecting those communities is important for school to resume as normal next year. You know, we made a push early to make sure that that teachers were included and had access to vaccination. I think it's going to be even more important moving forward that we make sure because we've seen the same effect in nursing homes. The more people that we can get vaccinated around them, that actually gives you almost the, the, the thing we've talked about off and on for a while, the herd immunity effect. But if you can protect those people around the vulnerable kids, you can prevent them from being infected. But also we know that kids, even though it, it, younger kids, it's not as frequent, but can be a source of transmission as well. And, you know, um, we encourage providers to um, to look at school settings as well, and vaccinate and vaccinate the the kids who are eligible now, as well as all teachers, employees, and staff. 
And looking forward for us being able to drop the age down for, for vaccinations, now's the time for pediatricians to be signing up as, as enrolled providers, and that information's on our website as well. But we want to have them as enrolled providers so we can provide them the vaccine to be able to utilize in their clinic settings and other settings. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.